rock and roll is a scary business. No hit records, no MTV videos, you'll never make it here. It's scary. Another episode of Podcasting in Paradise, the track-by-track, album-by-album, listen-along podcast of all things Jimmy Buffett. My name is Cameron, and, well, I'm one of your uh, spooky hosts, and I am joined by my friend, my co-host, and a man who, well, let's just say he knows a little something about uh, fucking, uh, uh, being, uh, uh, a mommy. Fuck. It's Joe! Whoa! There's booze in the blender, and soon it will render a chilling concoction that helps us spook on. Ah, Joe, you know, I've been meaning to tell you about my candy corn margarita recipe. Oh, God, that sounds horrible. What (laughs) Candy corn is the worst candy ever invented. Do you have a candy corn margarita? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's basically a margarita, but instead of uh, simple syrup uh, uh, and lime, it's just candy corn and corn. You blend candy. Well, I guess guess it's Yeah, you muddle it, yeah. So it's like a margarita, but instead of a tart lime flavor, it has just that sort of sweet wax texture on the mouth yeah yeah and you gotta actually it's it's uh customary to let it uh sit at room temperature for about 10 minutes so that the wax sort of settles at the top of the glass Mm -hmm. and then you you, it's it's served with uh like a little spoon so you can crack it open and sit from it uh just as if you were bashing in the skull of one of your favorite victims like vlad the impaler to suck their blood my understanding is this is the only cocktail that can also double as a scented candle (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's the only cocktail that doubles as a scented candle, but it's not the only scented te- scented candle that doubles as a cocktail, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> well, Cameron, it is the... I, th- I mean, in my opinion, this is the best time of the year. I think October is the best month of the year, objectively. One of the best. I mean, Joe, are you, are you not an October baby? I'm an October baby, early October. Uh, but in addition to my own birthday... Uh, October gives us the beginning of the NBA season, uh, the uh, the mm, MLB yeah. playoffs, and of course, mm-hmm. the spookiest holiday of them all, Halloween. Uh, and also, it is also all uh, you know because we got to talk about weather up top. It is uh, it is like the one month of the year where the weather is actually nice here. Yeah. No, um, and 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 of course, you know, the fires are 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 attempting to spoil our uh, good fall fun. But uh, I'll be damned if a little smoke keeps me from going outside. <coughs> so, Cameron, <coughs> what have you what have you been occupying your time with lately? What's going on with you? Well, you know, Joe, <coughs> been smoking a lot of weed. Mm-hmm. Um, no, um, so Joe, I've uh, still uh, remained. Um, fun employed and by that i mean i'm fully employed as a podcaster still okay and 
you know, I've been um, really honing my craft um, mm-hmm. in, in this apartment, uh, speaking to Don Gato, um, uh, really uh, working on my transitions mm-hmm. and my uh, off-the-cuff jokes. I don't know if you've noticed. I've been really smooth so far. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, dibbling and dabbling, you know? Well, I have a, I have a new uh, job of my own in addition to my regular oh. job. You know, of course, the hardest job of them all being a parent. Being a, uh, being a full-time father. Obviously. Although, yeah. as being as parents go, being a father is the easiest. It's the easier of the two. Well, let's not let's not be so uh, restrictive about parenting uh, uh, units here. But uh, but I, I I have taken on a a mantle recently, uh, something that only oh. a father can do. You know, because there are certain. There's certain parts of child rearing that the father has to take charge of. And so I've noticed recently, you know, my daughter now is nine months old. Uh, she's getting to the point now where, like, you can she's, actually... She's as big as a 36-month-old, yes. That's that's not even a joke. No, yeah, she, it's there, not. there are kids walking around. I'll see kids walking around that are shorter than she is. I've, I've seen a number of photos on Instagram, Joe, where yeah. I'm just wondering how fucking jacked you're getting. Yeah. From from carrying from carrying oh, little Ritter around. Well, yeah. I'm I'm gonna get to that in a second because I, okay. it's I, I I have been you Wait, know curling eighties now. I've been punishing my body both as a father and and at my day job, but uh you know she's at the point now where she's like actually able to like play, like uh-huh. I can actually play with her, and she's also uh-huh. responding to music now oh like you can she is like actually expressing preferences in certain songs that we play and so you know i like during our playtime i'll you know i have like a little bluetooth speaker in our in our playroom and i'll i i you know i've been trying to do the apple music kids playlists um Mm. and i've come to realize that you know people who write children's music I think that they all have a certain amount of contempt for children because because <laughs> I listen to these songs and I, I get the feeling that the people who write children's music they their their thought is well kids are they're loud and dumb and annoying so the music that they will enjoy must also mm. be loud and dumb and annoying. And so there's no thought of like oh let's Sound get like logic. A, let's get like a good singer and like some good musicians and just like really do the best version of these classic kids songs. It's more like let's do the loudest most obnoxious version of these little kids songs and also let's add some verses. So you know like the itsy bitsy spider mm. will come on and you're like okay I know this song I can sing along with her. But the itsy bitsy yeah. spider that's I don't know like where a, this is going. This <laughs> spider's <laughs> fucked. Yeah. Yeah. But but there's a redemption at the end. <laughs> You know, uh-huh. <laughs> there's a lot of narrative uh-huh. in that little yeah. 45 second song. But the problem is that it's 45 seconds uh-huh. and they need to like they need to pad it out to uh, like two and a half minutes at least. So you get like yeah. verses. So, so they called Paul McCartney and got him <laughs> on it. Yeah. You get like yeah. verses about the spider's backstory and like there's a oh. love. It, there's like a love interest that they that they <laughs> that they bring into the mix. But the thing is, like, not only is this music awful. But also, they're requiring me to learn new verses to songs that I learned when I was three years old. Yeah, which, no, which that, that must be difficult. I mean, it is. I mean, why mess with perfection? 
So I've taken on the mantle of the most important fatherly duty there is, which is introducing my infant child, well, toddler child, uh, to some dad rock. How much Jimmy Buffett, Joe? <laughs> not, well, okay. She has not, she has not expressed any discernible uh, preference for Jimmy Buffett yet. Okay. Okay. We just haven't found the right, the right album yet. Yeah. We haven't gotten there yet. But, you know, I'll I'll play a lot of Cat Stevens. Cat Stevens is good for mm. kids. But mm. the album that she has really responded to uh, is, a, is an album by the Talking Heads. Which, oh, can I it, guess? You, it, it's, the, it's the most appropriate Talking Heads album for kids. You can probably guess. It's, it's the one with, uh, with Sugar on My Tongue and... and uh, 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 wait... Man, I you know his problem with Talking Heads. I'm realizing. Yeah. I don't know any of the album titles. <laughs> it's uh, it's the like I said, the most and that's the, their problem. The best Talking Heads album to listen to with a baby, which is Little Creatures. Little Creatures. That's the one. Yes. That's which the is one also my probably my favorite Talking Heads album, and her favorite song on that album is the exact song that you would expect to be a baby's favorite song on Little Creatures. Is it one? Is it the one where they say "little peepee"? Yeah, stay up late. Little toes. Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, like that song comes on, and like it has this thing where it goes bomb, 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 bomb. She hears it and she just like starts, <clears throat> and she like yeah. tries to clap along with the with the with the with the beat. Yeah. But she's also started doing this thing. You're not. No one's going to be able to see it on the podcast, but it's the most adorable thing in the world. Where when she hears a song that she likes, she starts shaking her her head like this. <laughs> now, for those of you who can't see, yeah, uh, we're doing we're doing it's a little bit side to side, it's a little bit up and down. But yeah. really, what we're doing is we're we're making a large figure eight with the crown <laughs> of our head at a sort of forty five degree angle, just kind of grooving and moving to the sound. Yeah, I love that. Oh man, she's gonna be a fucking groover, dude. Yeah, exactly. And and she has good taste already in in one yeah, of the great I mean, dad that's... rock bands, uh, the Talking Heads. Yeah. Also. Oh wow, you're doing some great work uh, acculturating uh, little Loretta. Yeah. In addition to that, I've also taken on another dad duty. Uh, I've started coaching baseball. Joe. Mm. Really? Yeah, not not with her, but with my students. Oh, I'm I'm sure she could compete in the under twelves already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I I think that she. With with her growth rate, baseball is not the right sport for her. I th- I'm thinking more mm. like power forward in the in the CWNBA yeah. or or maybe even yeah, like yeah. get a rugby league going because they uh, see how she does mm-hmm. there. But our 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 students 
have taken an interest in baseball, and they've started a baseball club. Okay. And we had a teacher okay. who who was leading the baseball club, um, who has had to step away for for a, sh- a period of time, and so I've taken up the mantle of being the head coach of the baseball club. Um, and wow, it's, they got an American coach, huh? Well, the other coach was American as well. Oh well, but. Fine. It is kind of gratifying because I, I I did play little league when I was growing up, and I what, was what terrible. What position did you play, Joe? I played right field. Yeah, that's like a, like. <laughs> yeah, you put the person who can't field like, in right field, <laughs> or do anything. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I I, I have a lefty. Yeah. I uh, I played right field, and I I could not hit. I was so bad at hitting that my coach when I was in little league instructed me to try if like if the if the pitch was close just try leaning into it to see if you can get <laughs> get on base that way <laughs> but now that we've started playing baseball with these kids who are all high school students that have never played baseball in their life I'm kicking ass like I'm the first one Oh yeah dude you know they always want me uh, you know batting clean up in the lineup we we play with a tennis ball you know and a plastic bag. Oh, so you can really slam that shit. But I can, yeah, yeah, I can, I, well, the great thing about the, the way we play it is like these kids are so bad at fielding that if a ball gets out past the infield, it's basically a home run. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I've just, I'm just, my goal right now, I'm just trying to t- teach them how to like hold the bat and swing the bat and field. Like that's our main thing right now. Cause these kids, it's, it's hilarious. Cause you'll see these kids, they're like 16, 17 year old fully grown boys that have just never held a baseball bat in their life. Yeah. So right. <laughs> they're waiting. They're, they don't know how to like anticipate a pitch or like swing at no. it. They're just like waiting until it's right on top of them and just hacking at it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like they're chopping wood. <laughs> but So wait, where, where did this interest come from? When they first entered our school, we had a, what we called a PBL. It was a project based learning unit that we did with them in the spring of their first year. And it was, I don't know who came up with the idea, but it was like a, a research project that was themed around baseball. So they had to learn about Hmm. baseball and then they had to do a research project that had something to do with baseball. Um, and the whole, the whole year had to do it, but the, those kids, there was like a cohort of kids, like, 15 kids within that class that really took to it. They never got hmm. good at it, but they really got interested in it. And interesting. Yeah. And so I've been having fun doing it, but I, I, they want to do it every day. Oh. And the other day I was in the infield and I was making a play at second and I went the wrong way on a, on a, on a fielding play. And I think I might've tore something in my side. <gasps> and so I've been in pain. Like not no. like not like I can't breathe sort of pain, but like just I can't really bend down anymore. Oh my god! <laughs> so Do you so have I, like a hernia? No, it's not a hernia. It's not in that place. It's more like a like a an abdominal strain or something. Oh no, Joe! Yeah, so stop. Turn a little I, quick. I I just went the wrong way on a play. You know, it took a weird hop because we're playing with a tennis ball in in not very well manicured grass. Oh, geez. so I was anticipating 
the ball to hop one way. It hopped the other way. I overcorrected, and I mm. and I realized that I was 32 years old, and yeah. didn't do my stretching properly that day. And <laughs> as a result, yeah. I've been coaching third uh, since that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Joe, that's so exciting! What a what a fun experience! Yeah, I, I mean, like not the abdominal tear, but you know, like <laughs> the rest of it's pretty good. Yeah, so as you can see, I'm I'm really transitioning into into fatherhood in a big way. Peak fatherhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the universe telling you that you were dead. Just like just and at the at the exact right time, uh, to to that I I I started this Jimmy Buffett podcast before this transition occurred. But it just so happens that right. I'm doing a Jimmy Buffett podcast, the ultimate dad rock icon, <laughs> as I am transitioning into a full father myself. Let, and, and let's take it a step further. Jimmy mm-hmm. Buffett, not just the ultimate dad rock icon, but the ultimate dad. Seriously, yes. Yeah. Yeah. If we're being honest. Um, wow, Joe. Well, that's, you know, frankly, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you've even played silly baseball? Silly, ba- what do you mean? By, what do you mean by silly baseball? I mean, yeah, just fucking around in the baseball-y fashion. Probably, probably when I was in high school. I don't think I've actually played baseball since I was in high school. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's funny. You know, we 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 play with a tennis ball. We don't play with gloves. Um, but these kids have gotten so into it that they're like trying to make the investment in like a set of gloves. And I was uh-huh. talking to one of these girls, who's like, in, who's like leading the the committee to order the gloves, and she's like, um, you know, I, we were able to find a lot of cheap ones online, but the problem is that they don't have like catcher's mitts or first baseman gloves. And I was like, <laughs> we're, we're playing, we're playing with a plastic bat and a tennis ball. You don't need a catcher's mitt. You'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> the teachers are pitching to you with the intention of you hitting it. <laughs> We're not. There's no heaters coming in. No. <laughs> no. The name of the game is no one gets hurt. <laughs> no, we need a first baseman's glove. I mean, look, man, when you're rocking it over from the shortstop down to that first base line, I mean, you better you better make sure they got a pro- adequate protection on those hands. First, I know that you're not holding back. First, we need to back. learn how to make a play at first before we can, <laughs> <laughs> before we, we first we need to we need to make an out before we can get specialized gloves. Oh, so it's yeah. What's what's how what's the typical runs per inning? <laughs> well, it depends. It depends on if we're. It depends on if we are playing with a wiffle ball or a tennis ball. If we are playing with a wiffle uh, ball, they are able to make plays. If we're playing with a tennis ball, mm-hmm. basically the rule is if if the ball gets past the infield, it's basically a home run. If it is in the infield, as long as someone can stop it with their body, then uh, they they can hold the runner on. If the runner is running and no one's on base, you can throw the ball at the runner and try to get him out that way. But then you run the risk of overthrowing the ball, and then they could take an additional base. Uh, Which I'm sure is what happens a lot. Yeah. And then and then we've implemented another rule where once we go through the entire batting order, then we just have to switch. 
Okay. So okay. that okay. so that the inning yeah, doesn't go fair. in on in perpetuity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one of one of wow. my one of the kids was saying to me like, "This is frustrating, you know, because I'm batting ninth in the order, and so according to this rule, I'm always going to bat ninth." I was like, "Well, in theory, yes, but if the other team was to make an out, then, then no. yeah. you then it would <laughs> then there would be a different batting order in the next inning." Yeah. Tell the other team to get good. Yeah. 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 Then you can bat wherever you want. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, keep us updated on that. I want to know the progress of these youths on yeah. their uh, baseball adventures. Um, uh, if for no other reason than uh, uh, to promote America's great pastime. Yeah, maybe. I mean, among these kids, there might be the next uh, great international MLB phenom. Who knows? Yeah, could be. There might be a there might be uh, a Chinese version of Shohei Otani who's currently doing golf swings at a tennis ball in our that's right in our in our school league. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and uh, you know what? Just uh, New York Yankees. You you let us know whenever you need uh you you want to contract a scout. We got a guy on the ground. Right. Well, okay. I, the one big problem is that most of our league is seventeen year old girls. So baseball's got to make a little bit of progress before they can, before they can have their chance. <laughs> are, are, is, is it still a rule that women just can't play MLB? Not only that, here's how, here's how not in the 21st century we are. Not only can women not play Major League Baseball, but women can't there – no, there are no organized – hardball right. baseball leagues for women like there was like back in the 40s that happened you know because so many guys went off to world war ii that they they just started having women's leagues playing right. real baseball but then they made a rule that like you can't organize professional women's baseball leagues sounds like we need another draft yeah we need another war yep well another draft we do the war thing fine. Um, this is a uh, podcasting in paradise, a pro, pro draft <laughs> podcast. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're not not pro military, just pro war. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we're, we're just big we're fans actually, of war. Yeah, we're anti-military, but the concept of war really gets us going. Um, best, the best <clears throat> time in U.S. history, two thousand three to twenty twenty. Yeah, we don't support the troops, but we do support war. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, shall well, we get Joe, in, shall uh, we get into the episode? Yeah, you know, I've got I've got my seatbelt on, I've got my boots strapped strapped tight and and I'm I'm ready to get spooped. You got your Tony Llamas on? You got, got your my Tony Llamas on. Got my jeans pressed tight. I'm going to take a few tokes, which is why I'm coughing so much. And uh, I'm I'm not feeling alright, Joe. I'm feeling a little scared. How how scared are we getting on a scale of 1 to 5? Well, I mean, in terms of how scary Jimmy Buffett gets on a scale of uh, Halloween and Tijuana to vampires, mummies, and the Holy Ghost, I think we're at a uh, we're at a vampire level amount of scare in this episode. Oh shoot! This is, okay, this is an atypical podcasting in paradise episode. Normally, we uh, we go in deep. We do a deep dive into a Jimmy Buffett album. But we decided this week to do a little bit of procrastination before getting into the next Jimmy Buffett album, Don't Stop the Carnival, uh, to do our second 
annual Halloween Spooktacular, and this is going to be an atypical episode. We've never done an episode like this before. Uh, In this episode, I am going to read a spooky story written by none other than (gasps) Jimmy Buffett to Cameron. What? What? And And I'm assuming that Cameron has never read this story before. It comes from his premiere work of fiction, which is Tales from Margaritaville. Cameron, ha- I, remind me, have you read Tales from Margaritaville before? I haven't, no. I okay, have so this will be a totally new story to you. Wow. Um, yeah. I. Wow, I didn't know this was coming. Yeah. But I'm, reading, I'm excited. We are reading a, a spooky story from Tales of Margaritaville. Now, I'm just going to say up front, we've never done an episode like this before. And I just want to prepare our audience for the for the fact that this might suck. <laughs> like not not the story, not the story itself necessarily. No, the story is literature, obviously. It's great literature by yeah. one of the greatest authors of the 20th century and yeah, the 21st yeah. century, Jimmy Buffett. The story yeah. is not going to suck. I'm just saying the the concept of this episode might not work. Okay. We just got to be prepared for that. Well, we can cut that, cut that, cut that if we need to, you know? We might. I, there are parts of the story. I'm going to read the story in its entirety. It's not a very long <laughs> story, but there are parts of it that I might need to cut in post, particularly okay. toward the Sh- front. Oh, well, okay. Well, Joe, um, you know what? I mm. think maybe I'm going to blow my nose. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and hack up the rest of this lung. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I'm going to rejoin us. So why don't we take our commercial break here? Yo, you want to take the commercial break here? We could do it fast, yeah. Okay. All right, let's take the commercial break here, and then let's come back with a spooky tale by Jimmy Buffett. Come on, commercial break and we're ready to read a spooky story by jimmy buffett this is a story cameron titled the swamp creature let one in good thing the swamp creature didn't one let one out am i right it would have been stinky <laughs> yeah right. especially nothing stinkier than the swamp creature farts yeah, a little bog butt over there heck no so before, before we get started, I want to uh, do a quick plug to archive.org. Archive.org is allowing us, uh, or this episode is brought to you by archive.org because without this service that allows you to read free scanned PDF copies of out-of-print books, uh, I would not be able to uh, access Tales from Margaritaville here in China. So thank you to uh, archive.org. Thanks, um, archive.org. 
Yeah, so I'll, this this site allows me to borrow it for an hour, so I'm going to try and get the story done in, in less than an hour so that my uh, lending does not run out. Uh, hmm. I also, before we get started, would like to propose an idea. Oh, okay. For our listeners. We don't necessarily need to do this as hosts. But, as I said, this might be a... Uh, this this is an atypical episode, and I don't know how you're going to be enjoying this. Maybe you'll enjoy it at a Halloween party. I can't think of a better way to enjoy a Halloween party than you know sitting down and listening to your favorite podcast and being antisocial uh, with those around you. But yeah, just you know sit there at the Halloween party with your earbuds, and uh, I have a little drinking game that you can play while listening to this spooky tale. And, and this is a disclaimer. Uh, whatever the rules of this drinking game are, remember that you are in control of your drinking and to drink responsibly. Yes, Podcasting in Paradise always reminds our listeners to please drink responsibly. Uh, and so this game, this All right, game I was is going to fucked up, Joe. Yeah, this game is going to encourage you to very irresponsibly drink because I, I don't know, I don't, I haven't really previewed this text a whole lot. I've read it like once or twice. I want us to uh, do a drinking game where. Any time within this story that Jimmy Buffett references one of his songs <laughs> or makes a reference to another story from the Heatwave Chronicles, uh, uh, take a shot. And let's just see how fucked up you can get while reading this 10-page story. I, uh, maybe, I'll i take a sip every time. How about that, Joe? Yeah, I'll take yeah. a sip of coffee. Maybe when I listen back later, I can make it a drinking game. There you go. Yeah. There you go. That, that sounds fun and not sad at all. A nice way to get fucked up while editing this podcast. <laughs> so here all we right. go. We're going to get started. This is Swamp Creature Let One In from the Heatwave Chronicles on Jimmy Buffett's Tales from Margaritaville. <clears throat> it was not a month for eating oysters. Any way you spelled it, it was hotter than the hinges of hell. Snakebite key baked in the steamy coastal haze like a hush puppy in a microwave. All right, so take your first shot there. Yeah, okay. Crickets in the cypress trees put out a racket that nearly equaled the decibel level of hundreds of air conditioners in the nearby condos. You would have been hard-pressed to convince the early French explorers who, quote, discovered this isthmus that it was prime sunbelt real estate. But alas, anything was possible toward the end of the 20th century. So, Jimmy Buffett's huh. laying some, like, using some good imagery here to lay the lay the, the groundwork. We're on an isthmus. We're in Snakebite Key. It's hot. Yeah, I, you know, I gotta say, it's not very spooky yet, Joe. Not very spooky. Well, we're gonna yeah. get a lot of, we're gonna get a lot of golf talk before we get to the spook talks here. Oh, so, okay. So, <laughs> so strap in. Right. Still... This was the cool, cool, cool of evening on Snakebite Key, the only time for real sportsmen to be on the fairways of the new back nine of Soft Shell Golf and Country Club. So we're on a golf course here. Okay, Country Club golf course. That's spooky. Spooky stuff happens on those yeah. golf courses. Yeah. Two custom golf carts were parked next to the 16th tee. A man wearing an orange and pink Hawaiian shirt and Vietnamese jungle shorts poured himself a big drink from the portable bar attached to his camouflage golf cart. <laughs> so this, oh, these these are real God. these are real sportsmen here. 
What a, what a uh, with, tacky asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Wearing the, the, the latest in athletic gear, a Hawaiian shirt and camouflage shorts. And, of course, you got to have a bar. Any good sport has to have a bar attached to it. Well, okay. I, I, first of all, I agree with the last statement. But the second, I, I mean, look, I don't know where the story is going, but I hope the bog creature gets this guy first. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Well, our, our, camo shorts and a Hawaiian shirt. I mean, I've heard of power clashing, but this is something else. Well, I mean, you're talking about power clashing, but this guy, I think, is a trendsetter because he's wearing those Vietnamese jungle shorts, which are perfectly matching his camouflaged golf cart, Cameron. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that part. Um, <clears throat> are you ready to well, meet the hero of our story? Yes, I am, actually. Is it the Bogman? This sportsman's name was Eugene Balls Rawls. <laughs> okay. The former free safety from the Heatwave Lizards and the only millionaire in town. He was not oh. in a good mood. Once again, Balls was losing his ne- to his nemesis, lardass Louis Huckle, a carpetbagger charcoal baron, a recent transplant from the north. Fucking northerners, am I right? So we have our hero and we have our nemesis. We got our balls rolls, the Hawaiian shirt, Vietnamese short, camouflaged golf cart, bar cart man. Who and here's our second shot. Our, our second shot here. Uh, he played for the Heatwave Lizards. That's a reference to a previous story, which was off to see the lizard. The story of a That's hapless right. high school football team that was taken over by a coach and coached to victory in the state championships. So it's all part of the extended JBU. The JBU is in full force here, yeah. And the JBU really is cross-genre. You know, mm-hmm. we got to respect the JBU. MCU could never, really. How are they going to produce a horror film like JB? Ha- has Marvel done a horror movie? They sure have not. They've done every genre. I'm surprised that they haven't done a horror movie yet. Have they done every genre? Well, they do comedy. They do, they've done sitcoms. They've done... They have like a legal comedy show that they're doing now. You know what? I'm going to be honest. I don't know. I'm being <laughs> biased here. I'm sure there are many people right now who are listening and saying, uh, oh, it's a, actually, t- the one time uh, the Incredible Hulk uh, was a ghost and he haunted the Tony Stark and that's horror or something. I don't know how these things work. Uh, the Scarlet Witch was a ghost, uh, and also so was the ghost that she was married to, whose name was something Ghost, I think. <laughs> and that, be- and that, but then they they did they did a heel turn on that, and that became a family comedy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, um, we we got some backstory here on Balls, how he became the only millionaire in Snakebite Keys. Balls's family had lived in Snakebite Keys since the migration from Arcadia in the 18th century. Thanks to his grandfather, who had invented a shrimp-peeling apparatus, he had managed to avoid real work for most of his life. Balls had spent most of his time fishing, but when the country club was built, he joined and took up golf. He could never quite figure out why he had switched from the tranquility of fishing to the mindless frustration of golf, especially when he was playing with someone like Lardass. It must have been because he wanted to teach the obnoxious old fart a little lesson in humility. At the moment, at the moment this wasn't working for Balls. He faced the hole fe- he feared most. Hole number 16. 
which had reduced his life expectancy more than booze or cigarettes. In his five years of playing the course, Balls had never landed on the green of number 16. It always went into the lake on the right. Foreshadowing. Ooh, is that where the bog creature is going to be? Oh, I think the bog creature might have uh, might have some importance in uh, hole number 16 there. Yeah, okay. Also, Cameron, it's not a bog creature. It's a swamp creature. Oh, where did we get bog from? We're in Snakebite Key. We're not in the misty, murky British past here. (laughs) You know, that's fair. I I heard balls rawls. I heard bog in my head because of it. Bog balls rawls. Yeah. I think maybe that's what it is, yeah. No, swamp creature. Uh, By the way, can I, point of clarification. Yeah. Can we get a spelling on balls rawls? B-A-L-L-S as in golf ball. Rawls is... Like Lou Rawls, R-A-W-L-S. Okay, just making sure. Yeah. In all the detail they go into in his story, there's never any clarification as to how he got that nickname. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of names, speaking of names, we have the third primary character in our story being introduced right now. And this guy, his name, I didn't realize until reading it out loud uh, what Jimmy Buffett was doing here. So I'm just going to introduce this character. See if you can catch the pun on his name here. Okay. Okay. Willet Rainer Snow, the head caddy at Fairway and Fairway Supervisor, enjoyed watching Balls and Lardass play golf as much as he liked watching All My Children. Through his estimation, the soap opera had lost a lot of the punch since the demise of Billy Clyde Tuggle and Ray Gardner. Willet had known Balls since they were kids. He, too, was hoping that one day... A miracle would happen, and balls would humble Lardass. Uh, Jimmy, Bu- Jimmy, Buff- Jimmy Buffett's tipping his hand here that he, in fact, watches all my children. Yeah, well, <laughs> what his name is Willet Rainer Snow. Willet W I L L E T T Rainer R A N E R. Oh, snow, just regular snow. Yeah. What is this? Uh... Is that a reference to something? Or? I guess he's the fairway caddy, and if it rains or snows, then you can't play golf. I don't know. I'm going to take a drink for some reason. <laughs> yeah. This this might be a, a reference to an unwritten Jimmy Buffett song or something. <laughs> yeah, it's a bonus track somewhere. <laughs> Will it rain or snow? Okay. Yeah. So we got Lardass Magoo. Yeah. Uh, Bog Balls Rawls <laughs> and Will It Rain or Snow. Got it. Not their names, but those are just as acceptable <laughs> Jimmy Buffett type names as anything. Willett and Balls had played football together in a glorious season nearly a quarter of a century earlier when a part-time English teacher named Romeo Fleming coached the Lizards to an undefeated season and the Alabama State Championship. Willett had been one of the first black players for Bear Bryant and the University of Alabama, but his career was cut short by a knee injury. He returned home and had gone back to shrimping until the golf course came along. So I'm just going to stop here for a second. And then I think we're going to push forward. We're going to skip forward a little bit in the book. Uh, Romeo Fleming. Uh Uh-huh. These names, we're we're being inundated with all kinds of intriguing names here. And I just want to... I, I just want to say something about um, my recent experiences watching the new HBO show House of the Dragon. Have you been watching that? 
Yeah, of course I've been hate watching it. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> this boring ass show where I... where we we take this the the grand scope of Game of Thrones and we just condense it into one set with one royal family, none yeah, of but, whose names but, I can remember ever. But dragons though. Joe, they all got dragons. It's they all got cool. dragons that we it's see just, like five percent of the time. Just, but just dragons. Got them. They ride them. So I've been having a real problem with that show, with a lot of aspects of that show. But the main thing is, I, I'm like nine episodes in, and if you showed me a picture of any one of those characters, I couldn't tell you their names. Because <laughs> well, you've, whole- you've got you've got Rainus, you've got Anus, Dang- you've got Angus and Dangus. You got Dingus, uh, <laughs> and Mingus, yeah. and Ringus and 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 Jameis. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You got all that stuff. Uh, if if they had names like Will It Rain or Snow or Romeo mm. Fleming mm. or Balls Rawls, I think I would have a little bit of an easier time remembering those. That's names. true. Yeah, we should get Jimmy in touch with George R. R. Martin. Yeah, yeah, uh, George, if you're listening. Uh, we we could probably figure out somebody who could figure out how to get you to touch Jimmy. <laughs> I mean, uh. of of all of his accomplishments, I think one of the things that is unsung about Jimmy Buffett is how good he is at naming characters. I I agree with that. Freddie Fish Freddie Fishsticks is inspired. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Marvin I Gardens. Agree with that. Marvin Gardens is great. Yeah. So no, I mean, these are these are good names. Let us be clear. So I'm gonna I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit here because the next. Okay two pages or so there jimmy buffett is just giving an explanation of how will it rain or snow went from his uh uh his career as a groundskeeper to a fairway manager uh through his ability to excise snakes from the swampy golf course area um whoa a lot of detail about snakes and snake trapping techniques well, that and, sounds scary, Joe, so I'm, I'm glad you're sparing me. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to spare you all of that detail, and we're just going to skip ahead to uh, the point where the plot actually begins. I will I will say, Joe, this does feel a little bit blasphemous, as if you're sort of altering and abridging a holy text here, but continue at your okay. own risk. <laughs> this is, you know, we do, we, we do this with Shakespeare all the time. You know, you can't that's true, that's true. you can't give someone a whole four hours of Henry the Fourth Part One. You gotta you gotta cut some scenes out. Yeah, you know, okay, to cut it fair. down for movie length here. That's fair. So we, we we're gonna we're gonna stop the action here, and we're gonna pick up at the bar, which is where Jimmy Buffett can write his best prose. The blender stopped, <laughs> and the lights went out in the men's grill at Soft Shell Golf and Country Club. A thunderclap shook the pl- the pine paneled room. Lardass and Balls were now seated at the poker table in front of the big picture window. So we're setting the mood here. Lightning, blackouts, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, things are getting mm-hmm. spooky. Blenders. Yeah, better get off that golf course. Yeah. Yeah, you got a little Caddyshack situation going on where someone's gonna, get, yeah. someone's gonna get hurt. Mm-hmm. I believe that was one bet and two presses. Sorry I can't stay and have a drink, Balls. But if you don't mind, I'll just collect and get home before Wheel of Fortune starts. The power is out, Lardass. No Vanna tonight, Balls said. Not so! I have a new battery-operated watchman. Got it at Kmart for $99. A blue light special. Jesus, it's dark in here. Nice product placement there. You know, you got you to pay the bills yeah. for this book somehow. 
Also, fuck, $99? In, what, 1980, 90-something? It's surprising how expensive stuff was back then. Yeah. Like, when you look at the prices of the first CD players and VCRs. Yeah, yeah. Like, they were never, it was never more expensive to buy a CD player than it was in 1985, even with inflation. Right. It's like $700 to buy a CD player. (laughs) Yeah, it's like buying a fucking PS5 bundle. Yeah. Um, wow. So, okay. So, okay. Battery operated Watchmen is, uh, uh, really a classic line. A very archaic phrase. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah. Okay. And we got Vanna White still doing Wheel of Fortune all these years later. So no, not dated at all. This story. Still fine. Still good. Just then, Willett came into the room carrying a hissing hurricane lantern that cast contorted shadows on the walls. In the whole room. What's going on? The bartender asked. Transformer got fired, but the generator should be kicking in here quick. At that instant, the bartender purred and the blender purred and the light came back on. Ooh. It's like he willed it to happen. I'd rather I'd rather the bartender purr. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's uh, a cool little, story. Little rewrite there. Yeah. <laughs> there's like a little flirt there's like a little flirtation like a like an unwritten flirtation going on between the bartender and Willet. Listen, the Transformer got fired. Optimus <laughs> Prime was doing wage theft. <laughs> <laughs> this be one okay. bitchin' storm, Willet continued. They got flash floods up in Fairhope and a little twister done touched down in Orange Beach. I think uh, Willet is being written as a black man, but I refuse to do a black guy voice as I'm reading oh, this. Oh, thank, thank yeah. you, Joe. I <laughs> wouldn't have put that together otherwise, yeah. but thank you. But I might have some trouble getting through this dialogue as a result of that. Uh, oh, is it written principle. in a way? Not not crazy, but okay. somewhat. Okay. Well. It's not. It's not like, it's not over the top, but it is there. You in, Insulate us as you will, Joe. Yeah. Balls pulled $200 bills out of his wallet and gingerly tossed them across the mahogany poker tail to Lardass. Who snatched them up? Your game sucks, Balls, but in one respect, we do play on an equal level. No one has ever made a hole in one on 16. Not even me. A little bit self-aggrandizing there, but further foreshadowing, the hole 16 is going to be important here. Okay. Five Grand says, I can take you on that hole, Balls says. A huge thunderclap rumbled in the distance. <laughs> Did anyone else get really excited when he said, I, 5,000 says I could take you on that hole, Lardass? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I know the gods got excited. They, they thundered yeah, there. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> also, I love, you know, I don't want to be too critical of Jimmy Buffett's writing, but in terms of, like, tone setting, it's a bit on the nose what he's doing here. You know, like, well, oh, here's an important plot point. Thunder clap just at that moment. I, you know, I mean, Jimmy lets you know what he's about. Right. Jimmy's not hiding anything. <laughs> he's right? never I been that, subtle. That, no, it shows up in his music, too. I, I think this is fine. His tracks, yeah. Did I hear you right, Balls? Lardass began to laugh under his breath. You heard me right, Lardass. Be here tomorrow morning at 8 at number 16, one hole, winner take all, Balls said coldly. Lardass wasn't sure how to react, but he kept giggling. It's your money, Sonny. I'll be there. And he waddled out of the room. 
Give my best to Vanna, and be sure to lock the bathroom door, Balls yelled. <laughs> you see what he did there? Do you see the implication there? Oh, because he's going to jerk off to yeah, Vanna White? he's going to jerk Ew, off to gross. Vanna gross. I'm taking a drink <laughs> for that. Yuck. <laughs> Willet whistled softly and said, I do believe that's the first time I've ever uh, seen old Mr. Huckle at a loss for words. Balls went over to the bar and gave a, the bartender a 20. I'll lock up, he said. The bartender was happy to leave and handed him the key. Balls went behind the bar and reached up to the top shelf and pulled down a bottle of Glenlivet scotch. He picked up two glasses and went back to the poker table. Will it, he said as he poured. I just bet a loudmouthed son of a bitch $5,000 that I can beat him on a hole where I've never made it on the green. I want to know why it looks so easy and why is it so ga- why is it so goddamn hard? Do you think there's anything to that swamp creature shit? It ain't shit, Balls. Do you know the real story? <laughs> Just the stuff I've heard growing up, but me and the swamp creature have never met on a social basis. Do you believe in Santa Claus, Willet said? Sort of. Willet rocked back in the rattan chair and put his feet up on the poker table. He bottomed up his glass of high-dollar scotch and took in a deep breath. Well, I think it's about time you heard the story. It started a long time before this highfalutin crab trap of a country club was built. And just think about this. The first white people who settled here didn't name this place Snakebite Keys for nothing. They had a good sense to leave these parts as quick and move over toward New Orleans where they invented gumbo and jazz and left this ground to Mr. No-Shoulders, Gators, Scorpions, and Skeeters. Whoa, okay. So I got a few things here. Yeah. Uh, first of all, it's really hard to listen after knowing that Lardass is masturbating to, to, to Vanna White. <laughs> just, just think about this. As, as the story that is, is progressing, gonna, is he's, progressing yeah. Lardass is in the bathroom yeah. uh, jerking it to Vanna White. Yeah, really jerking think. it to Vanna White, which is very upsetting uh, yeah. for everybody. Uh, uh, you you did say shit balls at one point, and I was also distracted by that. Mm-hmm. Um, did was there an implication that white people invented gumbo and jazz? <laughs> yeah, no, not that's, not an implication. That was directly outright, stated here. Yeah, well, that's wrong. Uh huh. <laughs> right, that's yeah. extremely wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, here we go. Uh, also, when we hear the term "no, uh, Mister No Shoulders," uh, that's referring to a snake, because snakes don't have shoulders. Okay, because they don't have arms. I did not. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's a lot of things they don't have. Yeah, I, 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 I need to make that clear because that is not inherently clear. Did, I had did to you actually the... say that? It did says you, here, did you read that line? Uh, well, let's read the line again. They had the okay. good sense to leave these parts quick and move over toward New Orleans, where they invented gumbo and jazz and left this ground to Mr. No-Shoulders, Gators, Scorpions, and Skeeters. Okay. Yeah, I did hear that, and uh, my brain just went, that's nonsense. You don't have to yeah. internalize that in any way. Yeah, good. No, just let important. that one roll off the top of your head. Yeah. The, the term <laughs> Mr. No-Shoulders is going to be brought up a lot in this story. Okay, thank you, Joe. Or at least it was brought up a lot in the part that I skipped over, where they were talking about methods for trapping snakes on a golf course okay well first of all you gotta take your t-shirts and you gotta throw them out the fucking door okay they don't need anything except that neck hole all right 
Yeah, right. If you want to put t-shirts oh, you, on the... oh, oh, you think free t-shirts is going to catch a couple of snakes? They ain't got any shoulders. How are they supposed to wear them? Huh? What are you going to do, tie a couple of snakes together and put them all in one t-shirt? Forget about it. <laughs> That's a that's that's a good that's a good voice for uh, for Will it rain or snow I think as well. Yeah, we could go ahead and use that one. Yeah. Will it poured himself another glass of scotch to wet his whistle. The storm outside raged on, and Balls was tuned to the was tuned to the story like a radio. Now we ain't talking normal skeeters around these parts. We be talking birds with teeth. When the swamp stayed like that for long, long time, and then one day. Along comes the craziest white man I ever I ever laid eyes on, the Reverend Sonny Boy Seymour, pastor of the Snakebite Church of the Righteous Serpent. So we got some snake handlers. We got some snake handlers entering entering yeah. the scene here. Now rumor had it, Reverend Sonny Boy had been a real waterfront badass and womanizer around Mobile. He was a boxer by trade, and his fighting name was the Pascagoula Panther. Oh, okay. He was mean. He'd just knock a motherfucker into the next week in, in the ring. Then he'd pick up and his pay and go whoring around Water Street till he spent all his money, and then he'd go back to fighting. Well, one night, on a full moon, it seems Sonny Boy got all liquored up and broke into the drugstore looking for paragoric and grabbed a bottle of lye instead and drank it down. They took him to the hospital and pronounced him dead as a doorknob. And they was rolling him in the morgue when he woke up spouting religion. Paragoric? What is this? Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering myself what paragoric is. Maybe we can do a quick... Should we Google or should we just make it up? Uh, why don't you make it up and let's, and let's Google it to okay. confirm. Well, paragoric. Mm-hmm. Paragoric. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, paragoric. Uh I'm going to go um, para, as in the Spanish for four, mm-hmm. uh, and goric, as in uh, 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 pertaining to uh, uh, the vice president uh, for uh, Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm assuming he was looking for a drink that was a favored drink of the future vice president, Al Gore. Oh, okay. Uh, which would have been uh, obviously... A uh, cordial that had a strong uh, piney vegetal taste because we know that Al Gore loves trees. That's true, and he did invent the internet. Uh, I'm guessing, just yes. based on the context clues, that this is some kind of like a uh, antibiotic for if you have syphilis. Oh, I'm guessing. Oh, because he was whoring. Because he was whoring all the time. Yeah. Uh, okay, gotcha. so paragoric. It's a type of drug. Let's click to see what type of drug this is. Paragoric is a camphorated tincture of opium, also known as... Uh, I'm not going to pronounce that. It is a traditional patent medicine known for its anti-diarrheal, anti-tussive, and angolistic properties. So this, is a, this is like one of those patent medicines from the early 1900s that was mostly opium. Sick. Okay, yeah. cool. So he's just trying to get really crossed. Yeah, got it. Uh, the term paragoric has also been used for boiled sweets, which contained the substance, in particular the Army Navy Army and Navy brand. So these are okay. these are uh, opium laced sweets that we used to give to children. Sick man. Yeah, 
Kids love fucking opium. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. it does shut them up for a while. That's nice. <laughs> Parenting's easy when you got paragoric. Yeah. Just a little bit of whiskey on the gums when they're teething and a little bit of paragoric when those teeth come in and you are good to go. Listen, the whiskey on the gums trick isn't going to work if they've learned their words. The only thing that's going to work is a little shot of opium, you know? Just a little. And, and you know, before you switch over to the paragoric candy, it's just a little little tincture drop in the formula. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. you want to build the tolerance, right? Up front. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now, we ain't talking no Holy Communion or Holy Rollin' religion. Sonny Boy was a snake-handling preacher. And he took to his he took to this swamp to start his church in the backyard of the devil himself. He soon got a big following of people that didn't have much else to look forward to in life, and he and his disciples would cart drunks off Water Street and into the swamps for rebirth. They would hoot and holler and roll all round up there, and the church they built out in the old was out of an old school bus. They'd run through the swamp catching snakes. So they're catching snakes. They're preaching out of a school bus. Okay. Don't you I know like where no- this is going? Yeah, this is going. This is going to a good place. Yeah. Don't you know nobody fucked with Reverend Sunny Boy and his followers? Snakebite Key was his domain, sort of like sort of like old Jean Lafitte over in Louisiana. Jean Lafitte was a pirate back in the day. That's who he's referring okay. to. Cool. One day, my cousin Bubba. And me went pulling crab traps, and Bubba pulls up one. No, wound wound round inside the trap, the biggest goddamn Mister No Shoulders I'd ever seen, ten feet long, and a head on him the size of a steam iron. I thought we had caught ourselves a fucking sea monster. Okay. Me and Bubba didn't even think of trying to get him out of the trap. We just hauled him to Reverend Sunny Boy because we knew he would pay good money for that snake. We found him asleep in a hammock under the big oak, but he must have sensed something, because we got close and he sprang out of the hammock like he was rising from the dead again. He saw that no- that Mr. No-Shoulders in the crab trap and went berserk yelling about how he was looking at the devil himself in a chicken wire prison. I'm surprised these 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 two characters have been friends since high school. And this is the first time he's ever told this story. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, yeah, exactly. Well, okay, so they catch an anaconda. Yeah. In chicken wire. Yeah. Which I assume I would understand better if we had covered the two pages that you skipped. Joa. Yeah, exactly the methods that he used to catch this snake. Um, And so... What, he's going to sell it to the, the snake church so that they can do some snake church stuff with the big snake, right? Exactly. So just to summarize where we're going with the yes. logic of the story. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And this is supposed to be about a creature from the Black Lagoon thing. This is getting to the creature in the Black Lagoon thing. Okay. okay. This is all intertwined in, in, in the grand tapestry that is the story Swamp Creature Let One In. Got it. Okay. He started yelling. He started yelling for all his... Uh, junior snake handlers to gather around the crab trap. The big-ass mean Mr. No-Shoulders just lay there in a ball. The congregation worked itself into an uproar, and Bubba and me got scared as shit when we seen him bring out the ropes. We lit out of there. Late that night, me and Bubba snuck back up there to see what was going on. 
and the snake handlers were gathered round a big fire near the school bus church. We snuck up a good ways on the sandbar behind the church, and it was something to see. Reverend Sonny Boy's get-up made him look like the Mardi Gras king. There were beads, buttons, and feathers all over him, and snakes hanging off of him. The congregation stopped uh, stopped singing and hollering when Reverend Sonny Boy raised uh, his hands. He went over to the crab trap and grabbed hold, screaming for the devil himself to show. He opened the door, and that big old snake rolled up rolled out of that trap as slow and dangerous as hot lava heading for the ocean suspense okay. yeah i gotta say you know for all of the talk people on the right the religious right have for like devil worshiping this like when you yeah. get into like the like the yeah. fringe religions this just gets yeah. <laughs> basically yeah. devil worshiping right yeah well i mean <laughs> Not for nothing, but, uh, you know, folks outside the church aren't really thinking about the devil that much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just, just to put it out there. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say this is a level of idolatry. Mm-hmm. No? I mean, it certainly is Satan worship, yeah. It certainly is spooky. I just think I just think religion in general, no matter what, it gets, it gets spooky at a certain point. No, for sure. Um, and I mean, look, All Saints Day is one of the spookiest holidays for a reason. Like you it's want, because you it's want, all about ghosts. You want the stuff of nightmares? Uh, look at an Orthodox priest in any religion. <laughs> <laughs> Just all black, big beard. They they you've look like Rob a, Zombie. Yeah, you've never seen an amiable looking Orthodox priest of any sort. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty severe in general as a rule. <laughs> Reverend the Sunny Boy got down on his knees, face to face with that snake, and started and 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 st- and a staring contest began. They sat there eye to eye for hours, and the storm began to roll in up, roll in from the Gulf. The wind started blowing a hurricane, and hail as big as golf balls bounced around the ground. And then a blinding flash of lightning hit the school bus church and melted it down to the size of a coffee table. Now that's crazy. Whoa, whoa, yeah, <laughs> holy shit, that accelerated I, fast. I have never seen that happen to the lightning do oh that to God. anything before. Wow, now let's that's see. Like some, yeah. Now, how would you react if you saw that? If you if you were staring at a snake and hail started forming, and then a lightning bolt and destroyed a school bus, how would you react? And let's just compare that to. I'm assuming reaction. it was full of snake people, right? Yeah. I mean, some level of shock, horror, uh, uh, panic potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, maybe some sort of like, uh, I don't know, eldritch madness. You know, this would be the most shocking thing I've ever seen. All right, well, let's see how the Reverend reacted. Reverend Sunny Boy saw saw this and grabbed that snake by its head and commenced to damn him to hell. Well, it may it may have been the devil or just a big-ass Mr. No-Shoulders, but that snake slipped the grip of Sonny Boy, and in midair, he whipped around and struck Sonny Boy in the middle of his head and shot him through the air like a bottle rocket, and Sonny Boy landed on the scrap metal coffee table that used to be his church. Reverend Sonny Boy got up and went for the snake. Blood was pouring out of two 
nail-sized holes in his head, and his eyes were glowing bright red like Godzilla. I think that, I think that counts as another shot, yeah, though, right? That's, yeah, that Godzilla. counts. That for sure counts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they fought and rolled around, and then Sunny Boy bit the snake in the middle of the head, and it died. Dead what? on the spot. What? <laughs> yeah. What? Eight freaking Ozzy Oz like like Ozzy Osbourne just did bats. This guy bit a head off a snake. He picked up that snake and tossed him over his shoulders and walked off into the swamp. He's still around. What the fuck. This is his territory. Le- least what's left of it since the golf course got built, and that's the story. Fucking metal. Oh metal. That is metal as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jimmy might not have been made out for uh, uh, glitter rock and roll, but he was made out for fucking metal. Yeah. yeah. He, <laughs> he had Holy that shit. in him, right? He had that in him. He just chose a different path. Oh, my God. So we haven't seen Sonny Boy Rollins since then. He bit the head off a snake draped himself in the snake and then walked off into the swamp. Okay. And that's the end of the story. Until now. The bottle of scotch had long since disappeared and the storm outside had gotten worse. Sheets of rain slammed against the big picture window. Willett, that's a goddamn fantastic story. I mean, personally, I think you should go on Star Search and tell that one to Ed McMahon. But what does that have to do with the 16th hole? Willett let out a soft belly laugh and ran his index finger around the inside of his glass and licked it. Ew. Because uh, yeah, the disgusting. green. What the <laughs> yeah, fuck? I know. Why is that that's so like... sexual? Oh my that's... God. That's kind of sexual, and it's also like a little bit of an alcoholic's move. Like, I gotta yeah. get this last drop out of here. Rub the drop of alcohol in my glass on my gums. Yucky. It's just, it's just something he got used to from when he was teething, probably. Yeah, that's right. That's fair. Because the green of number... So what's this have to do with number 16? Because the green of number 16 sits on top of the spot where Reverend Sonny Boy's church melted. Does this mean that number 16, the hole that I just bet lardass Lewis Huckle $5,000, has mojo on it? That's the correct terminology, balls. Oh... <sighs> What a graceful dismount. Yeah. That is not the end of the story, is it? That's not the end of the story. We haven't okay. even met the swamp creature yet. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know where this is going. Okay. Yeah, that's just, that's just setting it up. There's the, well, okay, the, that's the setup. Yeah. The, 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 the spot where the reverend bit the head off the snake okay. is where the 16th hole is, and, and so there's a hex on that hole. That's why no one can make a I'm hole gonna, in one. I'm gonna bet this is a this is a Scooby Doo situation. He's gonna tear the mask off of this thing, and it's gonna be like his uncle or something. Just, By the way, that's my prediction. Just the fact that Jimmy Buffett chose to frame this as a ghost story that takes place on a golf course, where the curse, like the great curse, is that no one can make the hole on 16. Can we just talk yeah, about that? The, like the stakes have really shifted between <laughs> yeah. like biting a snake head off, yeah, like an anaconda head, and not being able to get on the green off of your drive. And yeah. he left a curse as he draped that snake over his shoulder. He laid a curse on the land 
that no one could ever make a hole-in-one on 16 again. And his glowing red eyes and the nail-sized holes at his face and the snake carcass wrapped around him, he said nobody will make a hole-in-one. You can get on the green if you're good, but you'll never get a hole-in-one. Unless you bite my head. This hole shall add no more, no less than three points to your overall golf score. <laughs> no matter how good you are. Oh, boy. All right, so now, now let's move into the real spooky part. The real spooky shit. Here's, okay. here's the real spooky part. Here's where we, we might meet the swamp creature at this point. Okay. The storm had not let up at all when Ball staggered outside and jumped into his golf cart. So he, he's drunk driving a golf cart. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Half a bottle of Glenlivet, get into the camouflage golf cart, and ride out into the rain. Nobody can see me driving a camouflage. <laughs> can't get me. I'm going to fuck that bog man up. <laughs> Needless to say, his equilibrium was a bit out of whack. He went right across his cart on the first attempt. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. He, he went, went right, right across, across his car. On the first, did he like get in and then just like fall out on the other side? Is that what he's saying? <laughs> you know what I like to think of this? I like to think like he was trying to slide across the hood. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're doing action roll. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> T.J. Hooker. <laughs> don't worry about it. Balls. Will it hollered uh, through the window of his pickup truck? Who knows? Tomorrow might be your lucky day. Thanks for the drink. So Willett is a total enabler here. Yeah, uh, okay. Willett drove off and Balls pulled his parka tight over his head. He held a go cup in one hand and steered with the other. <laughs> so he's still drinking <laughs> while he's... <laughs> like a statue. Just keep his... Don't want to be less drunk while I'm driving. I, don't think I drive better when I'm drunk. Yeah. The more drunk I get... The easier it is. That's too spooky. The swamp creature is too spooky. I, I gotta, I gotta have a little nip if I want to drive home in this rain. I'm gonna go fight that bog man because I'm not gonna do it sober. He was wondering if he should believe all that Sunny Boy shit or not when he missed the turn to his house. His wife was away at a cosmetic surgery clinic, and his daughters were away at school, so at least he didn't have to face anyone at home. But when his wife returned and heard about this bet from uh, Biddy's at the... Wait. The bet from Biddy's at the bridge club, she would kill him. This guy's a terrible husband. Mm. So... Yeah, well, he's a bad guy, I think, in general. Yeah. So, like, it's late at night. His kids are at school. Why? Did he forget to pick them up because he was busy making bets <laughs> at the golf course and drinking? Oh, shit. You can't, didn't pick up my kids. But good thing I'm camouflaged. I can't find me. <laughs> Not, what could possibly This man's living wrong? a life. What yeah. could possibly go wrong? Tonight, <laughs> tonight, Balls just laughed as good scotch traveled through his system. And when he thought he ought to just keep driving the golf cart south, gathering up speed until it crashed through the barricade at the end of US-1 and Snakebite Key. So he's so upset about this bet that he's, he's contemplating suicide. He's, he's going to kill himself. He's going to kill okay. God damn. Just leave my daughters wow. at school. Uh, keep driving while I'm, while, I'm, while I'm enjoying the scotch buzz. Yeah. Jesus. He would drive away from the sinking cart 
golf clubs and balls, he would swim and swim until he washed up on the island of Margaritaville, where a large-breasted island beauty would revive him with coconut water, and then, of course, they would live happily ever after. So this is his dream. And also, this gives us a, a clue as to where Margaritaville is You gotta take a whole shot for that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Balls jolted back to reality, to the reality of Snakebite Key, when a huge limb from an oak tree crashed to the ground in front of him, blocking the path of his cart. He swerved to the left, and his parka slid up the cover to cover his eyes as the golf cart hydroplaned, did, did a 360, and collided with a small pine tree. Balls pulled the rain hood off of his head and was completely disoriented. It was pouring, pitch black, except for the occasional flash of lightning. He still held the go cup in one hand. He hadn't spilled a drop. Yeah, well, priorities. Yeah, priorities. And this is this yeah. is like this is like Hall of Fame drunk driving right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like to get into a to hydroplane and get into a gun a car crash, but not spill your go cup. Yeah, that's important. That's yeah. important. Yeah. Well, we know the man's a superhero, if nothing else. But, but you know, Balls learned his lesson about drunk driving. I, I'm sure. Let's read the next paragraph. Okay. Balls drained the cup and stepped on the accelerator. Okay, never mind. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't learn My his superpower lesson. is drunk driving. <laughs> I didn't spill a drop. I'm the greatest drunk driver in the world. Put me in a Marvel comic. Fuck. <laughs> Okay, so he, he drained his cup and stepped on the accelerator, and the little cart came to life. He, slow, he slowly crept along, hoping to find a landmark he would recognize. Another flash of lightning revealed a cart path on the other side of a long fairway, and Balls aimed this machine in that direction. He thought he knew where he was. Then it happened. Ooh, ooh. Okay, what's it going to be? Let's see what it's going to be. So he's going to the other side of a golf course, and then it happened. I mean, he probably saw the bog man. And I think the bog man said, hey, man, why don't you slow down, both driving and drinking? Uh, Why don't we hang out a little bit? You may not, it may not look like this, but people do live in this neighborhood. (laughs) Uh, uh, Sir, this is is a private road. This is a Wendy's drive-thru. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So then it happened. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. A pair of glowing red eyes was directly Ooh. in front of him. And when the lightning flashed, Ball saw a huge man standing between him and the cart path. Ball screeched to a halt and slid sideways. Then he cranked up the cart and turned in the opposite direction. Goose pimples were running up and down his body. The red eyes were in front of him again. Balls stopped and yelled at the glowing red eyes. <laughs> okay, lardass. If this is your idea of a joke, I don't think it's funny anymore. Just tell me where the fuck I am. He felt the cart move and realized someone was climbing in. Uh-oh. 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 Time for a ghost ride. Balls froze like a popsicle when he saw the red eyes next to him in the cart. My name isn't Lardass. Round these parts, people call me Swamp Creature. Okay, I could have been more creative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. general Swamp Creature. 
So there is a description. Oh, zoinks, I'm totally fucked up and driving. <laughs> the, the, there is a description of Swamp Creature here and, and his attire. So why don't you try to picture in your mind's eye what you think Swamp Creature looks like and how that compares to the actual description that Jimmy Buffett gives. Okay, yeah, he's got he's got uh, uh, tattered remnants of rotting clothing covered mm-hmm. in scaly skin. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and he's got a forked tongue and mm-hmm. two... Uh, gross puncture wounds in his face oh well let's see how close you are on that one the reincarnated reverend sunny boy seymour was not your typical creature he was dressed in the familiar pink and green izod alligator golf shirt that was equally familiar with with, an equally familiar uh pair of hand printed pants covered with little red lobsters so there's the crustacean there they were cut off below the knees They were cut off below the knees, completely bald, which accentuated the two holes in the middle of his forehead and his big red eyes. At the moment, they were staring directly at the rigid figure of Balls Rawls. So you were partially right. He did have the the holes there. Uh, But this this is kind of a preppy swamp creature. Yeah, I know. He's styling, at least. This swamp creature is dressed like a someone from a J. Crew catalog. Hey, listen, I might be a supernatural creature, but it doesn't mean that I'm not keeping up with the latest summer fashions. One of the nice things about someone building a golf course over my swamp is that there is a very nice pro shop that I can go to and uh, attire myself with. When I'm not breaking into drugstores for Paragoric, I'm breaking into (laughs) golf shops for the latest fashions. Oh, so here's what the here's what the uh, here's what the uh, uh, swamp creature says to Balls. I know you. You're the left-hander who plays the fat guy who drives the little Rolls Royce. You've never even hit the green on number sixteen, have you? Balls showed the first evidence that he was still mobile. He slowly turned his head back and forth, so he's shaking his head, still silent. You need to line up on the water fountain to the left. A bolt of lightning struck the earth ten feet from Balls' cart and lit the swamp creature like a Christmas tree. When the sky turned dark again, Mother Nature had created a big supply of much-needed ozone and left the golf cart glowing with St. Elmo's fire. That's what we call a mixed metaphor right there. Yeah, what is going on with that (laughs) sentence? Holy shit. (laughs) <laughs> this is this is my favorite part of the story because this is like okay. the big climactic moment the part that i just read the big climactic moment the smart the swamp creature is 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 imparting his wisdom to balls you need to line up on the water fountain to the left thunderclaps <laughs> <laughs> this is a now this is about when lardass is uh, uh reaching his climax as well i believe <laughs> right yeah we have to always remember yeah. that uh, yeah, we, yeah. Wheel of Fortune's wrapping up. Lardass has gone into the bathroom <laughs> to lock the door. <laughs> yeah. And, and Jeopardy's right around the corner, and you better believe he's not coming to Alex Trebek. <laughs> no. <laughs> the... <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah, rip, 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 rip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The creature was gone. 
Balls flew out of the golf cart as if he had been ejected from a crippled jet and fled as fast as he could from the still-glowing cart. He turned to see if, it, if he was being followed and ran full speed into a pecan tree. Balls was in that limbo of consciousness where he wasn't sure if he was still on the planet or not. First of all, he wondered, am I still alive? He gave himself a test. He stuck his finger in his mouth and bit down hard. It hurt. He was still alive. I don't know where this myth is coming from. That like, if you're dead, but you still have consciousness that you can't feel pain. Also, like, of all the ways to test, you know. (laughs) Yeah, maybe like running into a pecan tree would would, would elicit some sort of a painful feeling. Touch your head real quick. Yeah. Touch your cracked skull very quickly. Yeah. A lone mosquito mosquito hovered above his wrist. He watched it land and plugged it for a little refreshment. Balls made no attempt to squash the insect. He just let it fill up and then watched the mosquito lift off. It spun around and flew directly on the ground. Jesus Christ, Balls muttered. God only knows what I've got running through my veins today. (laughs) So I think the implication there is that Balls oh, is so he's is so the mosquito got too drunk. He's so fucked up that like he killed a mosquito with his blood. <laughs> See, that's good writing. Right? That's pretty good. Okay, that that's was the best part writing. of the story so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. He slowly got to his feet. The storm had passed and it was actually a bit cool. He felt the left side of his face and realized it was one big strawberry from the collision with the pecan tree. Then he saw his banged-up golf cart stuck in the mud. What he had hoped was just a bad dream had, in fact, happened. A a shiver went down his spine. He stumbled back to the cart and saw something on the seat. A small snakeskin bag. He opened it and found a golf ball inside. It was the worst-looking, discolored, cut-up golf ball he had ever seen. What the hell happened to you, Ball's... Stared at the at the balls started at the sound of the voice. It was Willet. Okay, sorry, that was that was not good writing. Willet discovers balls as he's looking at this golf okay, ball, got it. and he says, "What the hell happened to you?" I thought balls was talking to the golf yeah, ball. Seri- the yeah, me too. Golf ball, you elf looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly the same thing I thought. Yeah. Uh, Willet, I got to talk to you. I just saw the swamp creature, and he was dressed like lardass. Ain't nobody seen a swamp creature around here in a long time. And besides, you got to remember that there's a lot of truth. There's a lot of truth in a full bottle of whiskey, but a head full of lies in an empty one. That scotch got me going pretty good. Willett chuckled. So this is this is, I think, an inconsistency with Willett's character, right? Because Willett is the one who told the swamp creature story and seems to believe it. Yeah. But then when Balls says that he saw the swamp creature, Willett doesn't believe him. I mean, maybe Willett had gotten started on the scotch early when he told the story. Yeah, maybe. You hold on to this. I'll get your clubs, Willett said, and took Balls' golf bag uh, off the cart and loaded it onto his shoulder. He took out a seven iron and handed it to Balls. Double the bet, he said. Ooh. Whoa. So maybe Willett, Willett does believe him. Ooh, 10K. Mm, 10k on number 16 so let's see maybe there is something to this swamp creature myth 
Mm. Are you ready for the... Now we're getting into the exciting conclusion. I can't wait to hear the ways that we describe this golf match. One of the I most exciting <laughs> sports. I mean, I don't know about you, Cameron. Uh. My favorite... I'm a, I'm a big fan of the James Bond franchise and the movie Goldfinger. My favorite uh-huh. part of that... My favorite part of that movie is the 10-minute golf scene. Love it. <laughs> love it. I love seeing rich people make bets on golf. <laughs> Nothing more exciting than a bet on golf. You know what? You know what? You know what's so great about golf is that it's just relatable, you know? It's not Yeah. It's not a sport that promotes inequity or racism in any way. It's just a, no. a sport that any anybody can <laughs> or environmental degradation or anything like that. Yeah. No, it's just a very wholesome pastime. <laughs> Historically and now, but you know, I mean, we 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 probably shouldn't joke too much about golf because you and I are like we're, we're both white men. We're about ten years away from being golf fans, right? Once that's true. Yeah, 40s. I'm going to be at a Top Golf next month probably, and then yeah. that's going to be the gateway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lardass Lewis Huckle was the matador of the morning. Great way to start a sentence. I don't know what exactly. that means. Yeah. Uh, it did nothing, but it's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> he's a good morning person. Once, once he's, uh, once he's gotten his, uh, his vanna out and uh, had a nice sleep, he's a, he's a nice morning person. He was out to hu- he was out to humiliate a bad left-handed golfer, and he was dressed for the mission. He wore a brand new pair of polyester key lime golf slacks and a matching shirt. So he's a vision of key lime. Okay. This guy cool. is informing the aesthetics of uh oh shit, what's the name of that golfer? Uh the big fat guy. Oh, uh fucking uh uh What is that guy's name? All right, let me just let me just google big yeah. fat golfer. Big big fat guy golfer. <laughs> yeah. Big fat alcoholic golfer. Big fat Alcoholic. Uh, you know what's funny? It is the second second result. Uh, of course, John Daly. Yeah. John Daly. Thank John you. Daly. Okay. So I think Lardass is John Daly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's give big, big John Daly energy. Yeah, John Daly would wear a key lime green golf ensemble. We love it. His favorite out- outfits had been mysteriously disappearing from the clothesline in the back of his house, and he couldn't figure out where they were going, especially after his maid passed the lie detector test. Okay, big, big reveal there. Swamp Creature <sighs> is stealing lard-ass John Daly's golf outfits, and he is suspicious of his maid and made her take a polygraph test. Which is a very wild thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Just get a new maid. Don't well, make them go through a whole polygraph test if that's what it's going to be. The maid will be fine. They can find another job. But like, by the way, but by, by the way, you and I, from our perspective, are saying, "Oh, this is a, this is a terrible person." I'm sure if there is any like rich golf guys who are listening to this podcast, they're saying, "Oh, that's a good idea. I should polygraph my maid." Yeah, oh, I, I, should, I should. I should hire a polygraph guy. Yeah. <laughs> he was in great spirits and had spent an hour at the practice range polishing his seven iron shot that was going to win him a bundle of money. He parked his yellow golf cart by the ball washer on the 16th tee and watched in amazement as Willet and Balls approached. 
hey, balls, you look like you've been shot at and missed and shit and hit, but bet is a bet. Let me read that again. Hey, balls, you look like yeah. you've been shot at and missed and shit and hit and shit at and hit, but a bet is a bet. No, it didn't. It wasn't any better the second time. I don't know what that means. Shot at and missed. And shit at and hit, but a bet is a bet. So he... He looks like shit? Well, he looks like he's been shit at and hit, but not by the bullet that was shot at. Not shit on. No, shit at. Shit, shit. Someone shit in the direction of him. And it hit him. Well, no... Something else hit him, not the shit or the bullet that had been shot, but he, something else had hit him. What the? F- what a weird phrase! <laughs> yeah, I know. So Just confused. say, "Hey, balls, you look you look terrible." But it's <laughs> awful. Bet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Jesus. You've got the honors, Lardass. Balls said calmly. Well, thank you. Lardass wasn't quite sure what to make of Balls and his appearance, but he sensed. He should leave well enough alone and concentrate on his shot. He knelt down to tee up. Bet's doubled, Balls said. Lardass nearly toppled over, but came up to look closely at Balls. Are you still drunk? He snorted. That may be. Do we have a bet or not? Ten grand, winner take all. You've got a bet, asshole, Lardass growled. He took down the fa- he, he looked down the fairway at the flag collapsed against the pin. This was just a straight shot. He got ready to swing. Good shots are heard before they are seen, and Lardass's shot certainly sounded impressive. The ball gained altitude quickly and then began to fall as if it had been dropped out of the sky. It landed four feet from the pin and gingerly rolled another two feet toward the hole. Lardass didn't say a word. He just gestured to balls to take the tee. Well, that's basically a hole in one. I can't imagine that uh, he'll do anything other than uh, lose here. Well, it landed two feet away from the hole. That's very close. Very close. Not quite a hole in one. So the shot can be outdone. It can be beat. Willet handed Balls the funky old golf ball from the glowing cart. Balls teed up. So he's he's doing this. He's putting the swamp creature ball on the tee. Yeah. Okay. Balls teed it up looked down the fairway, and lined himself up with the water fountain way to the left of the green. Lardass watched in silence as balls got ready to hit. Willet, staring off into the woods at the left, saw a pair of red eyes glowing through the morning mist. Swamp creatures watching. Oh my god, he gasped. Balls looked down at the old ball, and without hesitating to think, he swung. The ball went over the water to the right like it always did and Lewis started to cheer suddenly the flag on the pin stick snapped straight out to the left and a huge gust of wind blew the ball back toward the green it hit dead in the center of the hole rattling the pin as it settled wow so what's going on now alright so the ball was going the way it normally did, and then a mysterious gust of wind knocked it into the hole. 
Damn, Willet, you act like you've never seen a hole in one before, Balls said calmly. Just taking it in stride. Then he started screaming with joy. The two men hugged each other and rolled around on the ground, just like they did years before in the muddy end zone after beating Bundy high. Balls rolled over on top of Lardass and (laughs) and stuck his hand into the polyester pocket and pulled out a roll of $100 bills. He counted 5000 and handed it to Willis. Thanks for the tip. I'm going to I'm going to sit here and wait for Lardass to wake up and write me a check for the rest. Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to sit here and wait for you. That's fine with me, Ball snickered, and they just took up laughing and howling again. Meanwhile, on the other side of the man-made lake, hole 16 of the Softshell Golf and Country Club in the town of Heatwave on Snakebite Key in the state of Alabama in the USA on the planet Earth near the close of the 20th century, only the water moccasins heard the sound of a single pair of hands clapping. The swamp creature had let one in. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. And All I right. assume that's the end of the story. That is the end of this. Of course, that's okay. the end of the story. You got okay. it. That's that's okay. rule rule number one of writing, Cameron. You always end the story on the title. Always. <laughs> you always end the story on the title. Just very a good... important. Yeah, yeah. That's what you call foreshadowing. In fact. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. You tell them what's going to happen at the front of the story. Yeah. Yeah, and then you tell the wow. story, and then you repeat the title. That's how you write a story. That's a good story. So Cameron, um, how, on a scale of, of of 1 to 10, how spooky was that story to you? I think that was a holy ghost. Yeah, that was pretty spooky. That yeah. was a spooky story, yeah, right? That was pretty spooky, yeah. Who knew Jimmy Red Eyes? had it in him to write such a spooky story? Yeah. I, you know, I will say the idea of a uh, lagoon creature uh, uh, who is cursed to live an undead life with two massive anaconda bites in his face is pretty spooky. As a premise, uh, um, wow, Joe, um, movie adaptation win. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's about time. There's a whole gold mine of Jimmy Buffett stories that we can adapt into all kinds of uh, different genres of movies in an extended universe. The time is right for that. It's way beyond time, in fact. Um, you know, Jimmy, anytime you want us to connect you with uh, somebody who knows how to connect you with somebody who knows Jordan Peele, you let us know. I think it's it is about time that Jimmy Buffett starts his own film studio. I mean, yeah. of all of all the things that he hasn't done or just get straight into streaming at this point, Margaritaville Plus, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Margaritaville Plus. You could have all sorts of stuff on there. You could have Hoot. That's about it. That's it. I mean, to start maybe... off. A recording of the Bumfardo musical. I mean, you you need any streaming service. You need the the big uh, flagship yeah. property that that you need to get the subscriptions in initially, so that you can fund the other projects. And if obviously for Margaritaville Plus, that's going to be hoot. I mean, yeah. who wouldn't oh. who wouldn't pay nine ninety nine a month to watch hoot anytime they want. Uh, not anybody who's not a red-blooded American, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. Right? Absolutely. Wow, Joe. Um, well, yeah, I give it. I'll, I'll give it a holy ghost out of ten for spookiness, for yeah. sure. Uh, 
I'll give it a uh, half a bottle of Glenlivet. It, yeah, I'll give it a half a bottle of Glenlivet, and I'll give it a uh, Frankenstein's monster uh, for uh, for character development. I give yeah. it an Izod shirt and a camouflage golf cart. Yeah. Ooh, I'll give it a Wade Boggs. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a pretty high rating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, <laughs> judging from the golf cart driving, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, Bog man, man Wade Boggs. If it were if it were Wade Boggs, how much more alcohol would have been consumed on that <laughs> cart ride? Well, the first part of the story, they'd have finished one glint of it each, and then yeah. the second part, they would go, and it wouldn't be a go cup; it'd just be another bottle. Yeah, he wouldn't have had a go cup. He would just like the back seat of his golf cart would just be a twenty-four pack of Budweiser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and the and the bog creature would have drank with him. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Joe, well, that's, uh, that's a that's a show, right? I think that's a show. Do we have uh, anything, anything that we want to plug? plug? Uh, uh, as always, you can follow us on uh, social media at Pod in Paradise at P O D I N P A R A D I S E. Also, I'd like to plug House of the Dragon. It's like Game of Thrones, but not as good. Yeah, if you uh, want to not be able to see what's happening and fall asleep at minute twenty-one because the dialogue is very slow. House of the Dragon. Hey, uh, remember all those scenes at King's Landing? What if the show was just that? <laughs> uh, I'm going to plug uh, The Mole on Netflix. Uh, they have remade The Mole. Uh, they have put it on Netflix. I didn't Anderson... even know they made The Mole to begin with. Anderson Cooper was the host of The Mole. Uh, oh. It was a two-season show on mm-hmm. Fox uh, mm-hmm. in the early aughts. And it is now a, uh, a reality show on Netflix. Uh, watch it if you want dumb reality TV to watch. Wait, so you last time we were talking about the Survivor re- Renaissance, and now you're doing yes. a mole Renaissance. So all of these early 2000s reality shows are now making a comeback. Yeah, well, and like the challenge is more popular than ever. Mm. Uh, what else is going on right now? The Bachelor. Well, yeah, that's not a renaissance as much as just a sustained like thing, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean that, that reality TV is live and well, Joe. I, uh, Margaritaville Madness when reality TV? Come on, <laughs> what would that be? The Margar the Margarita it, Challenge? It, 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 it would be like a Big Brother style show, except Jimmy Buffett. Okay, get on it. We we got the whole streaming service. Uh, I think you're you're listening to the two future CEOs. Of, uh, Margarita <laughs> of Margaritaville Plus. Plus, yeah, yeah, chief creative directors. Um, that's right. And uh, until that gets made, uh, you can always join us next time for some comics, some vibes, and other little goodies. Thank you. Bye bye.